Hey, I'm Matt Hudgens and he's Dave Mulvaney and this is Profitability MD. Dave, how you doing today, buddy? Doing great, Matt. Sun's out. I'm doing great. This is good. All right. Episode 159. And I'm very excited today. We have a great guest, Vinny Chopra. And so go ahead and you do the intro here, Dave, and then we'll get Vinny to start talking. Well, good to have you, Vinny. And I'm going to, I'm excited to have you on the show. So Vinny, smile, Chopra, his, his middle initial is, or his middle name is smile. It's not his real middle name, but he's always smiling. He's a real estate investor, syndicator, international best-selling author of two books. Uh, he's, hosts three podcasts. He's a multifamily investor, educator, um, principal syndicator, and mentor. He's, he's actually uh, my mentor in uh, multifamily real estate. He's a dedicated husband of 40 years, father of two cho children, Neil and Monica. And he lives in uh, Danville, California for 40 years, which is really uh, right near San Francisco. And uh, he came to this country with seven bucks in his pocket. Wow, and, I love it. And a big dream. And now he has a portfolio of over 6,500 units amounting to just over 650 million in multifamily, senior assisted living and hospitality arenas. And his passion is really around helping others um, achieve financial freedom. And currently he's focused on, focusing on giving back to seniors uh, through his assisted living and memory care facilities. Vinny, that is an unbelievable bio. I'm so glad to have you on the show. Oh, thank you. Thank you, Dave. Thank you, Matthew. I really appreciate you guys. And uh, I hope I can bring some value to your audiences. Yes. Well, we uh, our focus is always on what we call the four pillars of wealth, which is um, really owning a business, uh, then investing in real estate, um, building a re maximizing your retirement funds, and then uh, purchasing cash flowing assets and wealth accumulation. Uh, and we call those the four pillars in, their, their, in every business. So uh, Vinny, did I miss anything there in your, in your bio? <laughs> no, no, no. You, you said it all right. I'm a mechanical engineer from India originally and did my bachelor's over there. I came to this country to do my MBA in marketing and with $7 and a dream to work hard in this land of opportunity. And lo and behold, what happened was when I went to George Washington University, my friend was saying, Vinny, what are you doing for summer? You know, I said, I don't know. I had just come from India, thick accent, people can't understand me. He says, I sold books door to door. Would you like to come with me? And I said, okay, already, you know, and lo and behold, that's what happened. I sold books for like 80 hours a week. You have to work not 40, but 80 with yeah. this company. And they gave me exposure to a lot of positive books and things like that. I kind of liked it. So I started liking sales and marketing more than engineering and put the engineering in a box. <laughs> so was that when you first figured out that you were an entrepreneur, when you started selling uh books what cut what type okay. of books i want you to sell what type of books you sold oh my gosh you know this is a very good company by the way i'd love to say the name of them it's southwestern.com southwestern they started in 1855 lots of very very creative ceos and uh, other people have gone through these book sales uh, you know for such a long time it's been it's still in business and when i started with them there were two companies only and I think now they have 28 companies. It's a privately held company, you know? Yeah. So you're right. These were Bible books. What? And the Hindu coming from India <laughs> selling unique. Bibles. Yeah, exactly. And, and encyclopedias, educational books, a cookbook. 
and Wonder World book, I think for children. <laughs> so we had all shebang of things. And I liked it so much, three months that I did, Dave and Matt, I came back the next summer, brought some more students from George Washington. And then I did third summer again, when I graduated from George Washington. So wow. I did it for three summers, 80 hours a week for three months or so, every right. single time got my tough-minded business man award, I think. And I want to win medals and all, all the good stuff. I have them. By the way, maybe one of these days, I should pull them out yeah, and yeah, yeah. show to everybody my certificates, my prized possessions, you know, which started 40 years back. <laughs> you started working hard right out of the gate is what it sounds like. <laughs> yeah, you know, when you burn the bridges, right? You say, <laughs> no going back, right? right My parents right. didn't want me to come. They said, you know, this boy is gone. If he leaves India, they were right. But I was a good boy. I was helping my family all the way through, you know, and so forth. Whatever I earn here, I'll send back to India after, you know, keeping some money and all that. But overall, now we are very happy. You know, my sisters are here, two sisters. My two sisters are back in India and then brother, all that, you know. So what, uh, Vinny, um, what in, you've been self-employed for many years. How many years? I know you've been at least uh, 14 years in syndication, um, but how, how many years have you been self-employed? Oh my gosh, for 44 years. Okay. Literally, since I've come to this United States, I ran my own business in the book sales. That's what they called it. Right. And we had to pay our own way to get trained. And we had to pay our rents and everything. It came from the deposits that I got for selling the books. We will collect 40% deposit or 30% deposit. And then at the end of the uh, summer, this company, I mean, it's they run you very tight. And then you get a check as a profit check. So you have revenues, you have expenses. I learned it pretty quickly, you know, how to save money and yes. all those things and so forth, you know. So I raised, I think I saved $3,100 my first summer. It went to 7,900, then it went to 12,000, wow. you know, in my third summer. Yeah, that's fantastic. Just for one summer, especially back then. That's amazing. Back then, back then, you know. And then I started promotional consultant job 10,000 a year draw against commission. Okay. Oh my gosh. So it was not a given salary. It was, you got to produce. They just give you the money up front, but then you have to produce, you know? Yeah. Most of self-employment is about producing. It's like right? that. So. Totally. Totally. So tell me totally. Uh, as you, as you made this, what made you transition from like regular uh, business? What made you start investing in real estate? Let's start, let's start there. You know, it's so in interesting. I got married 42 years back, you know, and my company president invited me to a meeting and we were young, right? I was very young. And he says, Vinny, we are looking into expanding on the West Coast, our company in this promotional consulting, fundraising and all that. I said, oh, all right, you know, let's do it. But they said, California, San Francisco. And I was back in Ohio. I said, California where? <laughs> right, right, right. Anyway, so we moved here. My peer group, the friends I made, they were in real estate, Dave and Matt. So the peer group, 
piques your you know interest yes and then i had a broker friend uh, you know who was selling uh, residential and he shared with me how he bought a home in the central valley for only 65500 and only $10,000 down or something. And we bought it too. He bought four, maybe, or three. We bought only one. Okay. And that house became $320,000 from 65 to 325. And that's how we got into you know real estate. We took a loan on it, pulled out 290,000, I think, or something at a very low percent. And then we went to Arizona, bought three homes over there with that money. So this started going for us 35 years back, 35 to 38 years back. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Go ahead, man. If you have any questions. No, no, I was just going to say, I think that's great. So, so we always say you're, you're, you're the product of the five people you hang out with. Yeah. Sounds like you were hanging out with some real estate guys there in California. <laughs> and that's kind of what got you into the real estate market. Yes. And then you experienced some success. So you just built upon that. One house. Yeah, right. We were just so fired up. My wife and I, you know, we, we are very frugal people. So we will save money, save money, and then buy more properties in Georgia and Texas. And then we bought uh, one acre land with four homes in Bakersfield, California. We were going to move those homes and build 34 unit apartment complex there. <laughs> then we also developed custom family home, uh, you know, from scratch uh, with my another partner who is in construction in Shafter and sold it to a doctor. So we've been all around, you know, uh, buying and selling and all. Then, of course, uh, I invested into a multifamily 165 unit as a LP partner, limited okay. partner uh, in Reno. Reno, Nevada, uh, you know, California or Nevada. Yeah, California, no. I think side it was. Uh, so all that. But then the lights just went off. 2005, let's say, four or five, I became a broker. Okay. My wife said, you have so much knowledge, Vinny, and everything. You should go for an exam straight. Back then, you didn't have to be a salesperson at all. So I learned the things in three, four months through an online course. I gave broker exam, passed it in one try. That's good. So I'm That's an good. active broker still. I okay. am, even though I don't buy or sell, but I can talk to brokers in a good language and everything. And then I never take split commissions, never. Because I just thought 14, 15 years back, if I can give my commission to the listing broker and they're making double the money, my portion and their portion, they will give me more off-market deals. Oh, I like that. That's really smart. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> And it worked, <laughs> you know? Yes. So lots of deals came in my, I've done 36, 37 syndications so far now, you know? And so um, I, I I don't know if people- Wait, wait, wait. Them. Hold on. That's your irresistible offer, Vinny. We, Dave and I would call that your irresistible offer was bring me the deal and double your commission. That was your irresistible <laughs> offer. That's awesome. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, and that and is you know, I really believe that too. And I would not talk to buyers brokers to be truthful because I don't want to waste, I didn't want to waste their time. And I'll be very open and frank with them. You know, hey, you know what? Actually, I really work with listing brokers because that way, in my thinking, I'm a logical mind. I didn't really I, you know, use my engineering, but to become a logical person. 
Right. So I felt the seller is here and the listing broker is here. There is no vacuum. Right. But then if you get a buyer broker this far away and if I'm on this side, there is a lot of gap oh, in I between like the two. Yes. And I said, why don't I deal with the person listing broker because he understands the seller and why they are selling and what their ins and outs are, what's the bottom line pricing that they can need to get, all that stuff. That helped me a lot. But, oh yeah, that, you that's know. your target market. So you and I would go in, your target market was you were just dealing with listing brokers. Then yes. you had an irresistible offer, which was double your commission because you're going <laughs> to have mine part two. Listen, you're, all, you're a genius, Vinny. I love it. No, no, no. <laughs> so one of the questions that I'm sure the, anybody watching this, so you're author of uh, Apartment Syndication Made Easy. Okay. Made Easy, it's a, yep. It's an international best-selling book. Oh, I happen to have it. <laughs> yes, I love so it. Tell us if you wouldn't mind, okay, you yes. were doing single family homes and then you wanted to make this jump to multifamily. Um, oh, and that's Positivity Brings. Yeah, Positivity Brings Profitability. And I launched it, actually, I just added more chapters to it. My editor just provided us. So now we'll be able to double the size almost of right. this book also. And then our third book is coming out, which is on senior living. Senior oh. living investing made easy. So I that's like the it. other one, which is very, very exciting. You know, as I'll be 70 years old, uh, not young. I shouldn't say old at all. I never say that. You <laughs> right, know, right. this August, I'll be 70. So I really believe, I think it's mindset, you know, how to stimulate your mind on a daily basis to make a good use of your time. You yes, know? yes. So I want to be sitting here when I'm 100 years of age. I don't know how many freckles I'll have, but, you know, with Botox and everything, anything <laughs> we'll is possible. Right <laughs> fix you right up. Keep that smile going, Vinny. Yeah. We can keep that going permanently. Yeah. So tell us this transition from, from single family to multifamily. How did you make that transition? And maybe tell us a couple obstacles that you overcame making that transition. Because it's got to be a hard transition. You know, very hard. Very, very hard. Two things were the biggest obstacle. I didn't know about nothing about multifamily. I only knew how to buy single family homes, contract, you get a loan and you're done, right? right? And have property management companies managing it. But when I got into multifamily, I said, oh my gosh, there are so many things. I didn't know what letter of intent was or cap rate was or all those DSCR, all those ratios. So I said to myself, who is number one? This is 2005 now. Who's number one in USA that can teach me <laughs> how to become a great, great, you know, multifamily uh, purchaser or investor, let's say, right? So I came across a gentleman who still is very strong and everything. And, you know, so I paid $34,000. This is 2006, I think now, six or seven. And I even took my team with me too. So total, I paid over $100,000 to learn this business. Yes. And that's what I tell, you know, a lot of people who, you know, like to watch things and so on on internet and, you know, try to, but the biggest thing is analysis, paralysis, and the fear. Those were the two factors. And the third factor was money, <laughs> scarcity of money, because, you know, when you want to buy apartments, bigger size, you need more down payment. 
right? Right. So that's when I said, you know what? I need to figure out a way how to pool money together. So that's the key. My success where I am today is because of syndication. Okay. Using other people's money, you know, in a legal way, right? right. To right. buy larger, larger, larger units. My first... <laughs> Uh, you know, unit I bought was a duplex, which we still own it in Odessa, Texas. We got $2,400 a month from there. I paid the mortgage, but then my first unit was 14 units for $180,000. Wow. And wow. it took us 10 months to get it, 10 months. Wow. With the coaching and everything going on and every... I mean, you know, and we looked at so many deals, but nothing panned out. And then this Duke, uh, 14 plex we bought and then 109 units. It happened to be, we were working simultaneously. So same week on Monday, I closed my team and I closed on 14 units. On Friday of that month, of that week, we closed on 109 units. So wow. there were two. And it was seller financing, by the way. Nobody will give me loan. They right. said, Vinnie, you live in Bay Area, near San Francisco, properties in Odessa, Texas. We don't want to give you loan because you are you have to be 15 miles away from the property. Live there. I mean, really? there were so many stipulations. Yeah, man. Yeah, yeah. Oh my gosh. So we had seller financing done on that one. We paid 40% down. What? Wow. Not 20, not 30. Yeah, yeah, the yeah. seller won't even talk to us. He said, you're going to run my property to the ground. <laughs> and then I'll have to come and foreclose on you. So I want 40% stake, you know, I mean, yeah. down. Yeah, yeah. So it's funny, 14 units for 180,000. You can't even get one unit for 180,000 no, now. Nothing, nothing. It, everything's over 200,000 a unit these days. But so the 109 units, um, what... Uh, that was it. That's a big purchase for your second purchase. It's a big purchase, but at that time, I only paid two point four million for it in Odessa, Texas, which is out of Boonies, as you know. It's right. the oil country there. It's a blue-collar town. Midland, Texas, is twin city there, and right. that's a white-collar town actually. So this one was two point four million for hundred nine units plus hundred one storage units. Okay. on the same lot and a commercial building. Oh, wow. Okay. I lucked out. And the seller was from Bakersfield, California, I found out. And his son was managing it. <laughs> okay, okay. Well, I was going to say, so, so how, do you, uh, how do you manage when you're in California and it's in Texas? Like, let's talk good about point. that. Like, that Very was the fear. Yeah. Essentially, what happened was that we were able to hire a company from Dallas okay. who had a representation in Odessa, Texas. So they managed it for us. Perfect, yeah, yeah. Perfect. And then about a year and a half or so, because we kept on buying. I bought six properties, I think, in Odessa and Midland. And <laughs> okay. then its portfolio got bigger and bigger. Then we went to Austin, uh, San Marcos, went to San, San Antonio, Seguin. And that's when my property management company was born. Okay. So okay. actually we started vertically integrating and then, you know, from five team members, we don't say employees and all the way to 135 full-time, uh, you know, team members were working for my Monil management group. Yeah. Wow. Management. Yeah. Fantastic. Well, again, you're solving your own problem. That's what we would talk, right? So originally you were, you were farming out the property management and, and eventually you got big enough where you could afford 
to, to hire your own full-time yes. property managers. Again, solving your own problem is what we call that. Totally, yeah. totally. And yeah. you know, of course it kept on increasing. My accounting department went from one to two to three to five full-time people, right. my HR and all that. Then of course, asset managers and regional managers, senior regional managers, I mean, all that. So I've gone through the whole shebang. Yeah, know? yeah, yeah, yeah. So how do you feel about what's... Let's talk about, because um, you make it sound so easy. Um, <laughs> what, tell us about one of the worst real estate deals that you've had. Maybe maybe one that you uh, lost a lot of sleep over at the time and you were glad oh to finally gosh. get rid of it. Let's hear about one of the- Lots of them, lots of them. I mean, we could talk about COVID, you know, what we went through, delinquencies and moratoriums. There are so many, you know, hardships we went through. Like I sold my property in Atlanta. It came out all right. I gave really good money. I paid 12 million too. I sold it for 18 million something within only- two years, two and a half, three years, let's say, because 2017, I bought, 2021, I sold, right? right. So right. four years, let's say. But then I let's go back to the earlier years. In um, uh, uh, There is a place in San Antonio, Alamo Heights. Right. Alamo Heights is the most luxurious and very A-class area. We always were taught, let's buy C asset in A class, right? Okay. So that's what we went to for it. So we bought this property, 72 units, and everything looked great. It had a chiller system. Oh, 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 oh. I don't, I hate chiller systems. <laughs> I can tell you that. But what happened was when we bought the property, our the investors were a group of attorneys. Wow. Okay. All friends. And they raised about a million or so we were able to raise, but we found out after about two, three months, there was some smell coming out okay. around the buildings. And that was the sewer pipes had busted underneath in the foundation. And then, you know, as it busts then sewer is all over, right. then it starts seeping through and smelling and all that. Anyway, we got, you know, the uh, uh, insurance involved and everything. But we told our investors after giving them maybe one quarter or two quarters of cash flow that now we have to fix this challenge we got. So that was just one of them. They were very nice to us. We'll meet them every two weeks, give them progress. They were attorneys, by the way, you know, they could have said, hey, you know, we, we don't want to. So they saw the trust and the confidence in our uh, full due diligence to do it right, you know. And we did sell them, uh, gave them 8.5%, uh, I think, per year. They ended up making, you know. Good. So yeah. not too bad, end of the story. But the thing is, there are so many challenges, Dave. I mean, I'm telling you, brother. I mean, cybersecurity cyber hacking on my company where this, my, they, uh, you know, got the, uh, my address and my picture and everything sent to my investors to wire the money to Africa or something. Oh, no. I mean, you know, all that has happened. I made it good for my investors. I paid 50,000 to one investor, my own money. I paid another 8,000 to another one. Then I paid for one of the vendor. It was $109,000 bill that got wired to send to Africa. So I was 
you know, as a CEO, you always want to say, okay, what's the right thing to do? Right. So I approached the owners of these vendors and said, you know, I need your help. I really need your help as a business to business person. I'm sure there is a profitability section in every bid, every invoice. Could you give me 35% off or 40% and I'm willing to settle the you know, bill because I already paid it. And they were very kind. I'm so glad. I think people do like to see your genuineness and say, you know what, let me work with you. Let me do it. Right. So I was able to pay the bills rather than them not getting paid, but they took out their profits and things like that. Those were some hardships. You know, construction people, you know, I've been like we were when you manage so many assets, so many capex things are going on, so many vendors are being involved. <clears throat> so, you know, as we were doing 16 unit burnt unit, I bought. That was a success story, big one. Sienna Villas in Freeport, Texas, 3.550, I bought 140 units operating, but 16 more units, a whole building burned down. Oh. <laughs> so it was 156 units, but they gave me very cheap, 3.550. I sold it for 8.7 million, by the way, after that. But I got that building put back together Actually, even the broker won't go in. I still have maybe footage somewhere. I put a hard hat on oh, and my yeah. cell phone with the lights and I go into this burned building underneath. You know? <laughs> Doing your own inspection. How do you, when you've got, you know, you're telling us some, some great, you know, horror stories. How do you have the confidence to keep going? And what would you tell somebody who wanted to get involved in real estate that there are hardships, but you need to do it anyway? Like, I'm so glad you're saying that, Matt. The key thing is, you know, you are, as a syndicator, you have fiduciary responsibility to make the decisions on a daily basis to safeguard the capital of your investors. That's right. number one. Secondly, preservation of capital is called then cash flow from the operation and the value add and everything. And the third thing is the, you know, re uh, return of their capital when we sell and then equity gain, right? So those are three, four items. And luckily when I got started, we started in 2007, eight, let's say, starting to buy, it was a slump. I mean, you know, market crashed and yes. everything. So it has been a pretty strong, but not only that, I have done really well later years in my life. Like I just bought a deal over there in Austin, Texas for 35 million. Uh, uh, in COVID, that's 2020, September of 2020, and I paid 34 million 750, I think, something like that. Broker tells me it's worth 60 million now. What? <laughs> oh my gosh, out of my comprehension. Right. You know? So we are thinking our investors are going to be totally jazzed up, yeah. you know, because they're going to get great returns. So I've done pretty okay, even with the hardships, if you do the decision making correctly and you're putting in, you know, I've never done a cash call in my case. So, you know, I just have always figured out, okay, if I give a loan and I've given loans, short-term loans at no interest to the LLCs. My wife and I always have felt, you know, let's just give a little bit of our portion to the investors. 
So in some quarters, we won't take anything and right. give all the money to the investors, you know? But then investors see you, who you are, and they want to tell more people about it, more people about it, right? So I started with one investor. We have 430 investors now. Really? Wow. Oh, yeah. And then our top investors have given us close to four to five million. Wow. They started with $100,000. Right, right. But then they went to 250 and 500 and more and more syndications I kept on bringing. They kept on jumping in there with the retirement funds. And, uh, and then I returned money back. They brought it back. So my big, big thing is I, I, I have been giving and doing these quarterly meetings on Zoom. And right. I invite all my investors of that asset and I bring the asset to them. So okay. I'll ask the community manager to send me new pictures of the cap CapEx and their picture of the staff. And when I travel, I take a lot of videos and pictures. <clears throat> so my quarterly meetings will show them, this is where your money is being spent. These are the PLs, these are the rent rolls. And I'll take the snippets from the rent roll, rent manager software with the date and time and everything so that they could see the authenticity <laughs> of these numbers. Right, right. And the investors like that. You know, they see that. And then I knew that they're going to watch it again or those who didn't come to the investors meeting because we'll send them next day the whole recording, right? Right, right. Always. And they're going to see towards the end anyway. So I was trying to put my next deal at the end of my quarterly meetings uh, podcast, I mean, this uh, Zoom meeting, right? Right, 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 right. So that's how I kept on doing syndications, you know, like so many of them. And I think if I may think about it, out of my 400 investors, maybe 10 have gone to the assets that they have invested in. Okay. Only 10. Yeah. Wow. Wow. So it takes a lot of trust. Absolutely. <laughs> so we've covered a lot of ground. And we're coming up on, on 30 minutes. I, uh, Vinny, what's a, uh, outside of your real estate investing business, do you do anything else to build wealth? I mean, <laughs> I'm so glad you said it. You know what, by the way, we are good until two, I just found out. So it's no problem. But let's talk about it. Yeah, I am into the seed round of an IT company also, which is my very good friend partner who also loves hotels. We bought the Hotel Hilton Garden Inn together and we sold it, by the way. We just bought it uh, December of 31st of 2019. COVID hit and everything, but luckily the staff, medical staff chose our Hilton Garden Inn to live in, in this town. We just sold it three, four, five weeks back for 11850 that's the price. So not bad, double. So I invest in that. Then I am also into medical tech, some funds, like it's got, I believe in cutting edge medicine. So I've invested in those. I invested in uh, mobile home parks, limited partners. Some of my students have really graduated and they have opened up things. So I've invested in those. I've invested in ATM machines where I get paid uh, I think 12% a, a, a month, a month for seven years in a row. So I have invested money in there and these startups, uh, uh, I think, I think so. 
my money will be worth 20 times to 30 times yeah, x yeah. you know so i am and stock market i'm big on stock market i'm just looking at it i i have robin hood account you know good to see that it's just gone up today <laughs> yeah yeah Almost yeah 79000 today it's gone up you know right so, right so, yeah <laughs> that's great matt you got any any questions you want to ask before we uh, start to close out no, yeah, well, I'm going to go a little bit down the rabbit hole in that, you know, tell tell people how great real estate is with like the tax advantages, right? So so you get this depreciation plus the cash flow, so it's like you're not paying tax on the cash flow. Can you explain that a little bit about I would love to, love to, Matt. That's huge, huge because see most of the real estate is bought in an LLC. Okay. In an LLC, it's a pass-through entity. Okay. So that means the LLC doesn't pay taxes at all, but then a CPA is able to work and look at the profitability of the LLC. Right. And we say, this is the revenue, these are the expenses, and these are the net income cash flow after paying the mortgage and everything and all. We give that as cash flows to the investors. Right. So they are making money every quarter or every month, you know, however they get their cash flow. But there is one line in tax return, which is depreciation line. Yes. So when the CPA does the tax return, they look at everything making positive, positive, but then they put depreciation. It could be straight line for residential or multifamily. It's 27.5 years depreciation, amortization, we call it, because you take the structure, not the land. Land doesn't depreciate structure right. divided by 27.5 or better yet you do cost segregation yes it's called accelerated depreciation and that is the beauty of it because then certain parts of the structure depreciate faster like in five years or seven and a that half is. years or 15 years right. but with bonus depreciation going on now which is kind of it's going to phase out in 2000 uh, 2026 i think or something <clears throat> but still it's pretty pretty darn good the profitability of the whole llc gets negative when you deduct 2 million dollars in that in now that loss 70% is given to the investors and 30% given to the general partners you know in a syndication world Okay. In REITs, you can't enjoy that at all because REITs is going to give you whatever percentage and all that. But, you know, I don't know if they do K-1s. I don't think they do K-1s, no. But in private syndications, that's the advantage that our, you know, investors, doctors, attorneys, lawyers, you know, W-2 people can get cash flow, right. but they won't have to pay tax because it's a negative. Because the depreciation. back it against their other passive incomes. Yes. But That's if their spouse becomes a real estate professional with 750 hours and recording and all that, I'm not a CPA, but then for their whole income joint file, uh, uh, filing, they could be determined because of the spouse as a real estate professional tax filing. Now their active income and passive income is same. So that is the beauty of real estate. It's so humongous, humongous. And then you could do 1031s. 
See, that's the other beauty of it. So you don't take the gain and pay capital gain of 20% or whatever, capital, long-term capital gain, but you could invest that extra money and the gain into the next deal and the next deal. And if, from what I've heard from the attorneys and from the CPAs, if you keep on doing it till you die, <laughs> then it just goes away. Yeah, you yeah then you get the step up basis. That's right. Yeah. That, that's awesome. So that's, well, that's exactly what I wanted to hear. It's, it's, it's the, the tax benefits of real estate are, are fantastic and not everybody understands that. So these limited partners are investing in your deals and receiving a cash flow, but a lot yes. of times that cash flow is coming to them tax-free. Correct. Tax so reduced. true, so true. And even the equity gain too, because they can keep on <laughs> accumulating this negative, we call unaccounted, no, what is it? Accumulated negative losses. Their CPA can keep on accumulating every year. Right. And then when we have a gain, a phantom gain of the equity, when it's sold, it can bat against it. Yes. So it's a best of the best deals because in stock market, if you lose 100,000, you can only deduct 3,000, I think, per year. That's right. right. That's right. So it's such a thing. And the other good part in real estate, it's a leverage. So if somebody's putting 100,000, they are actually becoming a partner in the business for 300,000 or 400,000 because if it's a 75% leverage, and 25% is the down payment. So their 100,000 became 400,000 already in yes. the buying of the product. Yeah. As compared to stock market, if you want to buy Google stock, yeah. I need to give real money. The bank is not going to loan me money, not at all. Correct, you know? that's exactly right. So the real leverage of real estate. Being yes. a tangible asset, banks and institutions and Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac, they love it. It's tangible. It's something way different than stock market and crypto and everything. And then they want to be partner with you. Like the loan I got for the Austin deal, I got $22 million or $23 million loan, 2.69%. <laughs> That's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. And Fred, Freddie Mac, I think, gave me that loan. And they don't want any portion of my cash flow. Right. And right. they don't want any portion of that 35 to 60 million. Uh, how much is that? 25 million gain or whatever it will be, right? Yeah, Minus yeah. commissions and all that. They don't want any portion of that. No, 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 no. That's all <laughs> mine and my investors. So now, real estate is the best of the best thing in USA. It, I mean, all is, over the world, actually. It is the best. So as, 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 let me just ask you this out of, Interest rates, you know, starting to bump up a little bit at a time, right? Mm -hmm. And and the real estate market. So so you have the naysayers who say, "Oh, I'm I'm scared of rising interest rates, and I'm scared of real estate." I'm sure there's still opportunities. Like, so what yes. do you say when you go through rough, you know? I'm so glad. Rates? No, very good point. Very good point, Matt. I would say that you got to play the ball. You know, I mean, the thing is, you cannot be outside as a spectator. And then you say, okay, a broker is going to call me and give me this deal and right. say, hey, Mr. Chopra, come on in. It's a good one. You know, that doesn't happen. So you are right. There is some upward pressure with inflation being at 6.5% or 7% and so on, that the interest rates might hike up 0.25. But it's been so low. Oh my gosh. Right, I mean, right. I bought properties at 7%, 8%, 9%, right. you know, 
and people are doing a lot of bridge loans right now and all that. I would like to really tell them, you know, the thing is be conservative, definitely, but be in the ball game because you can only play ball if you're in the field. The other thing is make assumptions to really conservative assumptions, you know, in underwriting. That's right. the second thing, you know, where you don't want to say, okay, my rent is going to increase this much, but just say it's going to increase this much and then figure out if the numbers make sense, right? right. The value add really brings the best of the best things for starting out investors. Because right now with the cap rate compression, the C class, the B class and A class, compression uh, capitalization rates, cap rates are very close together, right. literally. Right. I mean, the sellers are saying, hey, my property is worth a lot more. <laughs> Right, you know? right, right. So, so you have to be careful on that. But don't think about it. See, I just did a seminar this week about three tsunamis going through in this country. Okay. Three big tsunamis. One is the millennials. Okay. I mean, 74 million of millennials, the Z uh, population and all, they love portability. They don't like to own. They have seen what happened in COVID with the jobs. They could work from their office and home and so on. So there is a huge need for rental units, one. Secondly, intern uh, immigration. I mean, in USA, you know, immigration of 1.5 million or around there, every year is what is saving us because the birth rate is very low, you know, and attrition and dying and everything. So we'll be, I just read the statistics. We are 357 million, we'll be 441 million. What? United States population in 65, 2065. So almost 30 years, 40 years or something from now, it'll be 441. And 100 million will be seniors. What? 100 million, 100 million. And almost out of that, about 60 million will be in the 80 plus range or something, some ungodly numbers. So I think there is so much demand for residential, I should say. You right, know, right. I don't know about the uh, strip shopping centers, their downward trend, hospitality, you know, and then uh, industrial, definitely big demand. As you know, storage units, big demand again, all that stuff. That's good. That's really good. Yeah. All right. So we're going to, Vinny, um, you've got a book out um, that you, mm -hmm. you've got a free book they can get access to. Where can they get the book? Oh my gosh, you know, this has been an international top seller, over 500 great reviews all over the world and all, but we want to give everybody watching us or listening to us to get this book for free. All you have to do is just go on my website, which is Vinnie Chopra. So Chopra, like V as in Victor, I, N-N-E-Y, vinichopra.com there it is smile don't put smile vinichopra.com and slash free book wow. you know just put slash and then free book you'll come to a landing page and then you could just get a you know download a copy right away and please look at it and listen and watch oh by the way on amazon if you like a physical copy we have the you know of course this copy plus hardback also 
and we have an audio also, which is if you're driving, you oh, can do that one or Kindle edition is there. And Spanish speaking, you know, 41% of the, you know, people in America are going to be knowing Spanish, by the way. And still, I don't know what percentage is now, but the new terms are 41%. So we have this book in Spanish also available oh, wow. on Amazon. That's awesome. That's awesome. Very yeah. generous. Thank you. Well, Vinny, Thank I appreciate you, so you being on the show and we'll put that in the show notes, uh, the, the access to the to link to that book. And Vinny, yeah. there's so much more. I could have, we could have done another hour. Interview. <laughs> I learned. I learned, I'll I come back so again. Much. You just call That's me, right. you know? <laughs> yes, we can talk about entrepreneur attitude and their enthusiasm, you know, how everybody's an entrepreneur really and how to really run the business correctly we need to communicate right and the corporate culture and everything and how the vision and attitude work together how to realign ourselves in the morning with miracle morning i could kind of discuss some of the books you know i mean i i just believe in so many great books and I, I'm a big, big proponent of Hal Alrod, you know, and Eckhart Tolle, uh, Power of Now. I mean, all those things have really gotten my, me to the successes, you know. That's fantastic. That's good. All right. Well, great show today, Matt. I'm so glad to have you, Vinny. And uh, we look forward to seeing you again. Right. Thank Thanks, you Vinny. So I appreciate it, buddy. God this is awesome. Yes. Thank you so much. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.